From the Sundance Film Festival, I'm Zach with Art and Amanda, and we are talking about the world's premiere of When You Finish Saving the World. When You Finish Saving the World is the debut feature film from Jesse Eisenberg, writer-director Jesse Eisenberg, Mm -hmm. about a mother and son who are tirelessly dedicated to their own ideas of success but cannot understand each other's. This is playing as part of Sundance's premiere section, and it is an A24 movie, although there's no confirmed release date. I kind of feel like this is going to be a summer movie, maybe like a July movie. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's their Zola slot or Green Knight slot this year. I mean, the boy was wearing his own merch and he had beanies on. It would be smart to wait till the winter. Beanies are a year-round affair. (laughs) I agree with you, I think you get more bang for your buck if you wait for it. That's fair. That's fair. Amanda, Jesse Eisenberg has a reputation for taking on neurotic roles in dark and oftentimes uncomfortable comedies. Given that, did you get what you expected out of when you finished Saving the World? Not quite. Like, yes and no. For me, it went uncomfortable in a way that I wasn't necessarily anticipating to the point that I was, like, sitting there because I was watching it alone because they had already watched it. And I was just like... Oh, please, God, no. Please, God, no. Please, no. Please, no. So now I might want to watch it again now that I know what to expect to see if I can, like, because there was moments I was like, I can't look. I just can't tune into what's happening. Can someone tell him to stop? Is that possible? Can someone tell him to stop? That would be Tara Lift if he stopped. Yeah, I kind of feel like it sort of went up to the line of cringy without really going over it. It was uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. Oh, I think they dwelt in there. I think they stopped over that line, spent a little time over here, and then came back. Yeah, I think they dove off of a cliff and then, like, climbed their way back out. Maybe my tolerance for cringe has just gotten so high from all the Jesse Eisenberg movies, but, like, I I didn't find, like, it went that far over the line. Like, I, I kind of, like... I, I got where it was going. I don't think it maybe overindulged in that feeling. It felt like it was necessary to just get the characters to the, to a certain point, if if that makes any sense. I don't know. I think it's, for me, it's just the way he kept repeating certain things over and over and over again. And maybe it's just because the, the way he was repeating things is just very close to what we do on the internet. So I was like, right. oh, please stop. Don't be that person. Right. Oh, my God. So normally I love that stuff. And I've seen other movies that I think do the cringe and toe that line better. Spree is one of them. Spree is definitely one of them. It goes in a very different direction. Um, I think this ended really beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think that it had like it wrapped what it was going for up really nicely, and I liked what it was doing. It was just there were certain moments, like at one point I thought somebody was gonna get like accused of some really serious shit, and like I was like, oh god. But yeah, it was. It, to me, to me, it did not toe the line of cringe. It fucking jumped in the ocean and drank it. I hear that art. <laughs> What do you think about, do you think characters rode that line between like unlikable and unrelatable well enough or could you relate to them? I don't think you need to necessarily relate to them, but I think they definitely get the side of a narcissist out. Yeah. Uh, so I liked it for that. I, yeah. I, they're definitely both unlikable characters, but I think that's his perspective that he was going in for it was that he wanted to kind of, uh, with it being based off of an audiobook, which we haven't listened to yet, because I know the audiobook is a, it's supposed to be three different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it takes place between like 30 years or something like that. So I don't know if the movie takes place in 2032, I think. Like the audiobook, yes. Yeah, that's what he said it was supposed to be. But um, he, he specifically only focused on one, with the idea being is that that would have been a son. Pretty much he was inspired by a buddy who couldn't relate to his his kid. (laughs) So he was like, what happens to that kid if he gets raised by a father who doesn't feel any connection? Does that kid not then have a connection with his own parents? And I think he gets that part of it really well, because they're not likable characters. They're not characters who you want to emulate. But I think that they are honest characters. I think a lot of people say think that it's um, 
too unrealistic. I don't think it's no. unrealistic. No. Yeah, I don't. Do, yeah, I, I don't think it's unrealistic. Because I think a lot of the things, in terms of their flaws, it's not so much that they're like horrible people. It's that they have like unlikable aspects of their personality. Yes. But I think a lot of people right? do that. And not, yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Like, a lot they of pe- pretend like they're helping somebody else when really they're just trying to help themselves yeah. out. And yeah. I think that bothers a lot of people when they <laughs> see it up on screen because yeah. they see that getting too close. I know he's been very defensive on yeah. it. And I think there's also some people who don't want to see somebody who has a job that we admire handled in a way that maybe questions their character in some ways either too, right? Like there is sort of like a, why are you criticizing this person? But I I see it as not so much criticizing like the person for their role, but criticizing like a a, a single-mindedness and an inability, an inflexibility. Like uh, for me, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was how inflexible they both were to each other, right? Like they they wouldn't adapt at all for one another. Yeah, because you had like the the dad and husband who would kind of like, adapt and work around things mm-hmm. until like one moment but like for the most part like everything's chill and he's just kind of like chilling with the kid and then it's like the second the mom comes home it's like explosive yeah. it's just instantly explosive and it's like well we should be questioning you on what you were just up to so like what what are you doing like right. you know so yeah. what did you think about the performances from finn wolfhart and julianne moore really good yeah. but yeah they like yeah there's no yeah I think he did a really perfect job being what that that is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we've all met people like that to some degree, whether it's gone to that extent or not. And I think maybe in some ways, not necessarily that we've been that level of that person, but like it might reflect certain aspects of our personalities if there's something that we've achieved or accomplished. And he's just taking it to that really big level. So I thought he did a really good job with it. And it's a very different role for him. Yeah, like, I don't think he's necessarily this type of awkward because it is mm-hmm. sort of like a, there's a, self-insur- a self-assuredness to his character yeah. that I, I don't know if I typically associate with things that Finn Wolfhard does. But mm-hmm. that self-assuredness does really, it resonates, it resonates as like a depiction of that awkward, like teenage you know, a creator type yeah. of personality. Yeah. I think he really pulled that off really well. I like Julianne Moore as yeah, well in this too. Particularly in steering into that kind of like stern mother aspect where it's like, yeah, it kind of, it, it makes her a little bit unlikable, but you also get that it's coming from a place of like, she's trying to guide this yeah, son she's trying who to guide has and, gone a, on a different path than she expected. And then always goes a little bit too far. So she yeah, says something yeah. that's completely reasonable, completely logical and should be said, but then it she wants can't to stop no choice. going. Yes. Yeah. It's like, she's like, this is the better path to take. And if you're not going to take it, I'm going to force you. And at that point, it no longer looks like the right path to exactly. take. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and what's even the point of me helping you if you're not going to do exactly? And that's what the kid's going through as yeah. well. I liked it because I, I realized that he's saying, and then one time Alina and I found his Spotify and I was like, boy sounds just, yeah. just like him up there. Yeah, exactly. But I like that perspective because he's not just big online. He's big online and Asia. Yeah. His whole fan base is there. Yeah. And for Jesse, he was just like, I know that people like me online for unironic reasons. And he really wanted to put that into the character of like, what do you do when you realize that you have fame, but it's not fame with the people who you were even intending to to connect with. And then he thinks that it should be able to make him connect with the people around him. Mm -hmm. And so he keeps expressing it in a way that he expects people to be really impressed by. 
and then everyone's just kind of like. I just like the parallels between him yeah, and his mom. How they yeah. both think that they're doing something positive, but they don't realize yeah. the way that they're yeah. speaking. Yeah, like she had like this Miss Honey vibe, I'm sure, in her mm-hmm. mind, and it was just like not. <laughs> I think it does a really good job at speaking to a particular kind of modern narcissism, yes. where you think what you're doing is so valuable that it's mistreating other aspects of your life, mm-hmm. right? Like we because we're in this like hustle I'm grind doing culture, that's so important. right? Yeah, something else can be pushed. Yeah, like whether it's clout or whether it's just like that respect that you are like a the 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 most genuine the sweetest heart around you know the mm-hmm. the biggest guardian angel whatever it's it's really cool because I don't think there's a lot of movies that tackle that particular no, brand of narcissism yeah. yeah and his wife works a lot with different because I know a lot of people were saying oh this feels so fake it feels like he just dipped his toes into domestic abuse and that's not something you make a script with but his wife supposedly helps out with a bunch of this stuff so he always said he's like I'm making a movie for three people what would I enjoy what would the nerds enjoy and what would my wife be happy with me making <laughs> that had some social justice issue in it nice, so nice. Uh, that's supposed to be his wrap up there but overall I like that I'm very curious yeah. to see how the book fleshes out those two other perspectives yeah, we'll uh, listen Thanks. to it on our, our drive back we got, six, Chicago. we got more than six hours on the way back yeah <laughs> our, this was our first film of Sundance mm-hmm. down in the uh, the dungeon movie theater room yep. it was a pretty cool way to open the festival I think this might have been maybe the, the best opening movie I've seen at a uh, we loved it there was one thing that we had because we thought I thought it looked really soft yeah 16 millimeter mm-hmm. he got the money from A24 so that they can get it to be in 16 millimeter so for yeah and I wonder that. if it was also compressed a bit by being in the stream. Like, that's just another one it of the tragedies of having is, the virtual yeah. festivals. We yeah, can't see it up 16. on the big screen. Emil. Yeah, Emil Mosseri. The score was excellent. My boy, Emil Mosseri. Minari, last black man in San yeah, Francisco, came in mm-hmm. here. I thought he did a really good job with Yeah, him and Brittell are, are killing the score game. I don't know who, who's my favorite composer right now, but it's certainly one of those two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, would you recommend, then, when you finish Saving the World? Oh, yeah, like, I didn't hate it. I know the way that I'm talking about it makes it seem like I'm hating it. It's despised just, it. It's just certain parts for me just went like, I was like, I don't know if I can handle another round of this. Why are you walking up to that person again? What are you doing? You're particularly sensitive to cringe comedy. I am, and I thought I was good with it. Like, after Shiva Baby, uh, I can watch Scott's Tots with no issue. Uh, but this one, it's just... It's just because it kept going back for another round with the same people. And I'm like, can you at least spread your cringe to new people? But he never did. Um, You had more of a problem with the mom or with him? Both, honestly. Well, him, it's because it felt more relatable. Her, it's because I was like, you are going to get in trouble for something way more serious than what you are actually doing right now. And I am very concerned. Um, But I think it's worth watching. And like it is, it is a really good look at narcissism from like two standpoints and how like what happens when a narcissist raises somebody and like, do they fight back against that? Or do they unintentionally become the narcissist? And I think all the things that we've been talking about are, are ignoring, are not ignoring, but overlooking the fact that the movie is really sweet in the it end. It is, yeah. Oh, and, that's and, what I mean. Yeah, the ending's so tender. So yeah, great. like it has, it has a little it's bit like of. They a, finally get each other. It has a little bit of acidity, but then like it does come to this place that that's very genuine and very warm. And I was, I was pretty impressed by that. This is so far one of my favorites of the fest. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of people think that it's suffering from the Sundance no ending thing, which we are really. I right. agree with that. It ended in the perfect. We place. have seen plenty yeah. of movies <laughs> that end, and there really is no ending. This one, I thought this you don't have to perfectly. love it, right? Yeah. But I think it ends exactly where it's supposed to. Yeah. And we also yeah. have questions on what what that naked mole rat was that was on screen, but we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about that once it comes out. Yeah. Uh, I thought it worked perfectly. I thought it wrapped up beautifully. It's so short. It's mm-hmm. yeah. uh, one of the ones that we're looking forward to rewatching. I want to say, and yeah. hopefully it gets yeah. a really good release date with it being A24. Yeah. In this house, we respect Jesse Eisenberg. I love Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I freaking love that dude. 